from the first epistle to the Corinthians. Brethren, let us not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to dance. We must not indulge in immorality as some of them did, and and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put the Lord to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as a warning, but they were written down for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. From the Holy Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 19. At that time, when Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, seeing the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that even today you knew the things that make for peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. For the days that shall come upon you, when your enemies will pass up a bank about you and surround you, and hem you in on every side, and dash you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple, and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. We celebrate the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, but also uh, the Feast of St. James the Apostle, and hence the the red vestments. They may be a bit of a confusion for us uh, on the Sunday, on the regular Sunday schedule of things. And yet, uh, the, uh, so if you're following along the readings, everything comes from the night Sunday after, after Pentecost with the, uh, the orations, as those extra, the double prayers at the collect, as well as the post-communion and the secret, uh, will be double, double prayers, uh, first for the Sunday, and then honoring St. James the Apostle. The Latin Mass group meets this Sunday in the Parish School of Religion building uh, after this Mass. There will be a parish work day here next Saturday, July the 31st. Work will begin after the 8 a.m. Mass and go until noon. There will be indoor and outdoor jobs for all ages and abilities. Equipment and supplies will be furnished and lunch will be served at the end. Some weeks ago, I encouraged, uh, I encouraged you to, uh, to sing at Holy Mass, to be able to, to sing the responses um, that are proper. So whenever the, whenever the choir sings uh, the responses of the parts of the Mass, Certainly, you're encouraged to do so. The weekend after I encourage everyone to do that, we changed the mass setting. And many of you maybe not have known it. Uh, so you were encouraged to sing, and then you didn't know where. Uh, so it's, it's on the front of the bulletin. We have it on the front of the bulletin each week uh, of what mass setting we are using for the Sundays. Um, for the Sundays, of, uh, the Sundays after Pentecost, we'll be singing Mass 11, uh, Mass XI. Uh, Misa Orbis Factor. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking and you want to place a little ribbon in the back of your missile, presumably in the back of the missile to have the various mass parts 
so you can join in. I think by now you're probably picking up the tones yourselves, just having heard it several weeks in a row. Uh, but to encourage you to, to turn to that as well, uh, to join in the, the parts of Holy Mass. In the Gospel today, we hear our blessed Lord speak about the destruction of the temple that is to come, prophesying about the day where not one stone will be found against or upon another, but rather all of it will fall upon the city and upon her children. We can see how even the things prophesied by our Lord truly came to pass. We know that the temple was indeed destroyed and that the the walls uh, fell down, the city itself stormed by the Roman army. But but it was Josephus, uh, a Jewish historian in the life of the early church, who came and, and recounted exactly what took place, giving dates and places and names wonderful uh, accounts for us to reflect upon and to be able to, to see the truth of these things as they came to pass. It was Josephus who told us that when the Romans came, they didn't simply come and immediately destroy the place. They came, and oddly enough, they showed a bit of mercy, which is not a striking thing for the Roman army to have done. We know the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., But a large Roman army was sent in 67 A.D. first, and they went, and a large army showed up around Jerusalem, and they circled them in, just as our Lord prophesied. It was a show of force for the Jewish people and the people of Jerusalem in particular, that if you don't step in line, we have the power to crush you. Rome came with great power. And they demonstrated it shortly. They showed their power in numbers and went. They retreated, oddly enough. But the people's hearts were so hard that they persisted in their rebellion against the Lord as well as against Rome. And three years later, Rome came once more with that fullness of power. And they encircled them once more. They hemmed them in on all sides, and they dug trenches to wait them out, to be able to bring, ultimately, starvation and devastation to the community first, and then when they were weak, to crush them. All that our Lord prophesied about the city came to pass, just as he said in its details. It's interesting to note, though, that The Roman army came first and then retreated without a war, without a battle even taking place. A simple show that if I desire, I can crush you. And yet they persisted. When our blessed Lord goes into the temple, as we just heard the account of, He goes in and he begins to to kick out the money changers, to be able to kick out those who are buying and selling things, and to be able to, to seek to make it indeed a house of prayer, as it ought to have been. It was a warning. But that day too, just as 30 something odd years later, they were deaf to his cries. They had not ears to hear, as he would say elsewhere. They were unable to see that this was the Lord himself come to cleanse his house. They simply saw a man 
Some thought a prophet, many thought a fool, all thought a disturber. And yet they failed to listen. He gave them a, a time to wait, to encourage them to follow him, staying even in the days afterwards to stay and to teach. But they didn't listen. They fell away. And it's this that our blessed Lord wept over. The falling away. The loss of souls. St. Paul encourages us today not to be numbered among them. Going down a, a short list of transgressions of our ancient ancestors. People who had indeed, some of them, as, the, as he makes a sort of refrain, don't do this as some of them, don't do this as some of them. And some of them often numbered rather large numbers of some, right? 23,000 in a single day wiped out by our Lord. This is the reality. And St. Paul encourages us not to simply fall to the same trap. He's reminding us and encouraging us, much as our Lord was preparing, much as the Roman army showed up years in advance, to say, wake up, pay attention, don't fall to the same traps, don't be as some of them, trust in the Lord. There will be temptations, there will be trials, but they will not be beyond your strength in Christ to resist. If we stay close to Christ, he will stay close to us. It's an encouragement, a reminder to us to learn from the past. We know the common saying, those who don't know the past are doomed to repeat it. An encouragement to us, especially in the ways of faith. Especially in the ways of faith. It's the fact that in the things of the past, we see that a simple message is given. Just because blessing happens once doesn't mean it will remain perpetually. Just because we have a good time in the Lord, because we have a good stretch in Christ, doesn't mean that in the end we can't fall, that we are untouchable in some way. It's a reminder to us and an encouragement to us that our cross is to be picked up daily, as our Lord says, not just in seasons. Our Lord didn't say, pick up the cross and follow me for 10 years, and then after that, you're good. How easy that would be, huh? Our Protestant brothers and sisters seem to fall in line with this very frequently. But our reminder to us is very clear the opposite. We are not once saved, always saved. We are once saved, keep at it. Continue to follow our Lord. Continue to pick up the cross. Continue to fight the temptations of the grace of Christ. Continue to avail yourself of the sacraments. Continue to allow your life to be conformed more and more perfectly to that of Jesus Christ. Every single day. It's a warning to us. A call. Let Christ convert your hearts. This is the words we place upon our own lips so the, that the Lord gives to us blessedly today in the opening collect that we just prayed. We pray that, that, that we might be, basically, that our hearts might be shaped to ask for the things that pleases Him so that we can receive what we desire. Lord, shape our hearts for what is right and what is good so that we may be able to receive it. He wants to give us good things. Right? What father wouldn't would hand his son a fish? Right? Or hand his son a snake when asked for a fish? Right? This, this simple fact that our God is a good God. He is a faithful God. And he desires blessings for us.
But it's we who often need our hearts to be shaped in order to ask for them, to seek after them. When we do not, when we allow our hearts to be swayed by the world, swayed by our own fleshly desires, swayed by sin and the evil one, this is when our Lord weeps. He weeps again for the loss of souls. Yesterday I was, or two days ago I think now, I was sitting at table with uh, some families and one of them was, uh, had just gotten a message that some friends of theirs from home had lost uh, all three of their children in a car wreck. And they were asking the other couples, the other families there to pray, to pray with them, to pray for that particular family. And then the conversation, uh, of course, turned to a, a fact of, of the wrestling of the, of the heart of a parent at the loss of a child, and especially multiple children simultaneously, and how grievous it would be. And for those who were there, how grievous it is still for those who have lost children. And as much as we can know the pain of that, or seek to understand at least mentally the pain of that loss, even more is the pain of our God at the loss of souls. He is the one who created us. He is the one who breathed life into us. He is the one who for all of these years has been pouring himself for us, pouring out his precious blood for love of us. And when we choose not to be received into his house, it is much to his sorrow, the loss of one of his children, one of his dear ones. The heart of God weeps and even the face of Christ weeps at the loss of souls. St. John Vianney commenting on this same fact, he said, when God lacked eyes, he borrowed those of his prophets to weep for the loss of his people. When God lacked eyes, he borrowed those of his prophets to weep for his people. As we come and offer this Holy Mass, it's an opportunity for us again to hear the call of Christ as well as that of St. Paul, to follow him, to leave behind the things of the world, and to trust in the good Lord. And in God's good time, he will bear his fruit. I'm mindful also, parenthetically, the life of St. James. James the Apostle, who was, as we know, martyred for the faith, as we donned the, the red of the blood of the martyrs. It was St. James who went and walked across Spain, led by the Lord, compelled by the Lord, to go and to preach the gospel, and walking all the way across Spain, some 500 plus miles, he gained all of two apostles. Two people followed him. One might have been discouraged, but as St. James reached the western coast of of Spain, the, the Atlantic Sea, Our Lady appeared to him. It's understood as the, as the first apparition of Our Lady. Interestingly enough, she was still alive. She bilocated effectively. It said that Our Lady appeared to him and said, James, do not be discouraged. Come home. And it was then that he left. And he went back home. And ultimately was there at the death of Our Lady. And shortly thereafter, offered his own life as a martyr of the church. 
After this, his body was brought back to Spain, carried much along that same path by those same two disciples that he had, that he had earned uh, by the merits of his own sufferings. And they, the, the, the two of them carried him back across. And it's there that ultimately his body was found, uh, that his body was, uh, is revered even today in uh, Santiago de Compostela. And where thousands upon thousands of people go every year, many of them don't know why. They're looking for Christ. These are souls who long for Jesus, even though they don't even know it. One can watch the movie The Way and see the the individuals who happen to show up along the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James. But in the end, it's a reminder to us that, uh, again, God's divine providence, that very often those souls who begin the Camino, who begin walking this long journey, and they know not why, at the end, will find themselves at the tomb of that apostle. And they are touched. There's even a large statue of St. James that one can go up and hug, interestingly enough, to be able to show gratitude to him. And though they may not know it, again, they are looking for Christ. And how blessed to be able to celebrate this feast of St. James. He who continues to call the lost to himself, that he might lead them to Jesus' heart. May God grant us a heart that that thirsts for Christ, that's willing to resist any of the temptations of the world by the grace of our Lord. That through the intercession of St. James, many of those who would be lost might be found, especially ourselves, that we might always draw close to the loving heart of our Lord, not discouraged by what might seem as unfruitful lives as his own might have seemed in the day, but to allow God's grace to increase within him, to increase within us. May God indeed shape our hearts today to long for that which we will ultimately fill us himself, that Christ might grant our desires.